Thanks for tuning in to the Grid Daily Startup Show podcast. I'm your host, Philip Lanos, and we're going to dive into the world of startups, from conception to funding to scale-ups and exits. These interviews are going to run across all industries, with entrepreneurs sharing their best stories, mistakes to avoid, and even their wildest entrepreneur moments. So without further ado, let's start. All right, Keith, I'm glad we got a chance to catch up just before we started and uh, really set the groundwork for this conversation. Uh, Again, I love podcasting specifically because unlike radio interviews or TV interviews, everything has to be quick, punchy. But here we have a chance to have a real conversation about a few things that you yourself have covered that you're passionate about. And that is entrepreneurialism, you know, startups Mm -hmm. and the, the various industries you've been a part of. So with over... 30 years of experience in multiple industries, in particular the oxidizer industry, but also just your entrepreneurialism. What what have you seen and experienced that sort of changed the way you look at business and entrepreneurialism? Oh, man. Okay. So I grew up in Jersey, Jersey kid, right? My dad was an entrepreneur. He was a vice president of a professional photography lighting company. So I always saw he modeled, not only was he doing that, but he was always working in different areas, always looking to see, okay, I'm here. Where can I grow to to be in the next spot? And so when I went to school, I went to school for mechanical engineering and, and design and drafting, right? So I get out of school and I'm like, what am I going to do? And it was a laser company. It was a box company for like packaging. And then there was like a um, uh, this environmental company. I'm like, don't know anything about it, but it's going to be here. Let's see what happened. Jumped in the industry 30 plus years ago. Work at a very, very well-known company, did well there. They got bought, sold, bought, sold, ran through the buying and selling over years. Then finally was with a group to be able to start a division for a much larger company. Three of us started it, ran that to maybe seven to 10 total employees, did about 157 million. So we're like, okay, we're moving good money. What I learned and what I saw then was I keep making money for everybody else. And that's where it was clear that after that one, I had to do what I felt was going to be, okay, in my entrepreneurial spirit of, okay, what can I do to start building upon? Started Oxidizers like 10 years ago, and I got a great partner who had done the same type of work adjacent, you know, sort of actually parallel to what we do. And uh, we have been ripping and running ever since, you know, we service anywhere from 500 to 700 plants a year, industrial plants. So you get in your car, we're probably the guys that are making sure the air off the paint boots are clean. You go buy a burrito and that burrito, the, the ovens that we're making it, guess what? <laughs> I'm the guy keeping them clean. You, you reach in that grab of chips, you know, your soda can. So we get to get in all these different markets, but it never really rung true until I was able to say, okay, I'm taking the risk. And and I and I want to be the entrepreneur that, that that goes after this and owns this, you know. And uh, it was inc- it's been incredibly satisfying, you know, incredibly. There's a there's a theme here of impact, and I don't know if it was intentional impact because you know this literally impacts our daily lives, and often in entrepreneurialism and startups, people will start something and then try to look for a problem to fit the product or the mm-hmm. service. But here, this is something that we deal with on a regular basis. Is that sort of, was that part of the decision-making for you was stepping in? This is a real problem, something I care about. Well, that it, it, 
It was because, you know, like, again, 30 years ago, I, you know, I, I got a chance to sort of see what, what I felt was going to continue to be a problem. And so it was like, okay, so be it. Then as I jumped in and I saw that, like you said, I, I see how far reaching we can, we can actually, our impact can be. I was telling my employees, you know, if you, if you know what a foot is, you know, one cubic foot of air, we clean or are responsible for equipment that cleans anywhere from nine to 11 trillion cubic feet a year. And so, you know, you're sitting and when I tell people that they go, what? And I'm like, yeah, my group that's running around from California to New York, all over the place, that's what they're doing, you know? And so I, I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, for me, it was always a personal thing of, Hey, I want to be a good steward of what we, you know, what we have, you know, I, I brought my, my son, he's, uh, he's in a, um, a Chinese immersion uh, program. He's now 14, about to go into high school, but he's been in it since kindergarten. So I brought him to China when, when my last company, when we were, they were asking me to help start a division. And he's over there. And I brought my wife at one point and they got to see the impact of not just the little bit that we do here in the U.S., but what we can do in the world. And you start seeing, oh my gosh, this is one world. If, if we're not all doing what we can, we're all going to have problems, you know? So, uh, I'm really happy with how it's worked out. You know, it's really worked out well. Yeah, man. And I, I love where we're going with this. We've covered sort of key partners of how this whole model started, right? We're looking at to value prop or mission statement, if you will, of what you're doing, right? Uh, what was it like? Because if I understood correctly, you were working with somebody else, you know, and you, you know, when you're a part of the machine, you don't see the whole the whole of what it is you have to be responsible for. So when you started looking into key resources, hiring people, you know, uh, channel partners, things of that nature, what did that look like in this industry? Well, well it, it, it was, it was the eye opener. You know, suddenly you're like, okay, great. This is going to be wonderful. I'm going to do this. And then thankfully my partner had gone through some, a lot of this before. So he's like, learn from my mistakes. You know, he's on bankrupt years ago, learn from my mistakes. But then when you start getting in it, you know, and you're signing that line of credit and you're like, okay, side of my life on this that I need to be the one that's going to do it. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think it, 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 the reality hits you and it's, you know, it's a, it's a, um, you know, it's a risk. Everything is a risk. You sit there and you go, okay, I have a risk. I can decide to not get out of bed and force myself to get up two hours early and spend that time and get some research and some knowledge. Or I sit here and I just decide not to. You know, it's, it, and, and I look at it and go, there's always risk and payoff. You know, it's, it's like, what's the reward at the end of it? And so what we're able to do, I look and I go, hey, I know that we are really not theoretically helping what's going on in the environment. And at the same time, you know, I'm employing, I mean, I'm constantly looking for people that are saying, hey, I want to make the difference. I want to, you know, and I think, I personally think this new generation, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for something that they can say, hey, this is making a real viable difference in people's lives. You know, but yeah, man, it was a, it was a, it was an eye opener when suddenly you're like, okay, hire people. Okay. I had some old people I work with, this person here, that person here, all of it, you know, benefits. Okay. Okay. This is what they pick. It's a lot, but it's worth it if you put in the time and effort. And if I can ask, because, you know, people who are listening are startup runners and they're always looking for insights. What is probably the most valuable thing you've learned from either the best hire you ever made or the worst hire you ever made? You don't have to obviously say names or anything, oh, but what's the most man. valuable thing you ever learned? <laughs> okay, uh, here we go. For the worst hire, and, and, you, and this is going to sound very cliche, resume, resume versus real-world skills 
is it can sometimes be far apart. You know, I mean, I've hired some people where everything on the resume looks wonderful. And then they get into they get into the real world working and they just don't know how to how to how to bring A to B and B to C and C to D. And so I would say that was probably, I mean, I've gone through, you know, some some wonderful candidates where you said, oh my gosh, this is great. And you're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't because we run. I mean, when I say we run, you know, but my partner when I when I met him, you know, he, you know, he 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 said he loved the old adage, you know, you don't walk a business, you don't sleep a business, you don't uh, lay down a business, you run a business. And so that, that was always my mindset when he said that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I was like, we are like made to run. And, and so I'd say the worst would probably be that I say the, the one of the best experience experiences is with some of my younger generation that have that spark, you know what I mean? They have that spark to where they don't, they, they want to, not just come in, do a job and leave, but they want to make sure that, you know, every client that they're working with, they're taken care of, you know? And uh, I think my people realize, you know, when I, when I send someone out to a site and they're making um, crackers, right? Okay, fine. They're making crackers. The line's down. They're having problems. You know, when our guys and gals go in, I consider them Superman. They're Superman and Superwoman because they go in and they fix the problem so that the line can go back up and people go back to work. You know, I mean, we've had so many calls and clients where it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't let this next ship come in. What do we do? And it's like, breathe. <laughs> we'll get someone out. So uh, there's been a lot of good lessons, you know, through this through this whole experience. Definitely. I'm actually glad that you brought that up because one of my next questions was going to be, what's your relationship like with your clients? Because every business has to decide how they're going to relate to their customer, right? Whether it's mm -hmm. uh, we offer full on like after installation uh, service, no matter how long, you know, whatever your relationship is. Can, can you go right. into what that looked like for you as, as you oh, began to oh, develop yeah. these relationships? Yeah, well, my, um, my adage, what I've always said is, I'm going to give you the honest truth. Because I, you know, I, I, when we first started the company, you know, we started on the whole idea of service. We hear service, you know, a thermal oxidizer over here or an RTO over there, whatever it is, it's cleaning up the different air streams that you're dealing with. And I found that one of the hardest things I think for customers to get is the truth. If you're an OEM and you're an original equipment manufacturer and you're selling it, oh, it's not, oh, it's not, it's not the equipment. Oh, it's, it's not that problem. It's not. And so I always would come in as a third party guy going, hey, I have no stake in this other than tell you what needs to be done. And many often, you know, often it's been, it's not designed right. Or, you know what, they did this, but they should have done that. And honestly, I believe that that has been the most value that we found. Like I have, I have an engineer, just right before this call, I was on with an engineer who I've known now for 24 years. She was at a very, very, in fact, the largest ethanol producer in the world worked there. She knew me for years. She, she's another company now. And she called and she goes, hey, I just want to give you a call. I've got an application. It's a it's a poultry application. And I, I she wants the truth. She wants to know what should they do, what piece of kit and how. And so I look at it and I go, you know, you have to have that one message of your company that rings true. Not just not just president or owner, but my guys and gals in the field, they'll, you know, it's like everyone knows we will tell you the hard truth, whether, whether, whether it's hard to say or not, we have to, you know. So I'd, I'd say that's been a, a wonderful, um, wonderful thing for us, especially as a service company. 
Yeah, no, I, I love the policy of uh, of uh, the truth, as you say. Uh, the, the no BS policy is probably the internal exactly, one. Exactly, right? <laughs> man, exactly. <laughs> so then, so then uh, with that said, it sounds like there's a lot of like regulation and consideration, obviously, with an industry like yours. And not every startup has to face this, but there are some and they may potentially be listening. Uh, what's your general approach to keeping an ear out for any changes in that or or what it means to sort of get from a top-down, bottom-up approach to make sure that's right. Right. Being regulated, you know? Right. Well, we, we always, I'd say this not only with myself, my business development manager, my partner, uh, we, we always keep our ear attuned to what the latest changes and news happenings are. You know, um, you know, you know, first it used to be for bag houses, it was, you know, PM5 and PM10, then PM5, then PM2.5. And so we're always on the on the on the the, the lookout for okay, what's gonna be the next level that we need to reach the epa you know you can have and and this is funny you know the epa or your local air quality district you, you know i always tell customers they have two choices in how they want to approach it you can come to the table with an adversarial you know i, I just need to run and you know it's, it's my way or the highway or you sit you go you know what that's someone across the table trying to do their job i'm trying to do my job and i've always found that if you come to an open situation or regulations or regulators or standards or or whatever the standard needs are, and you come to it with an open mind saying, okay, here's where I am and what I can bring. How do we work this out? I, I've seen so many companies change their uh, direction and you know their their philosophy once they get away from that adversarial, you know, I'm against you type of thing you know so i think i think the biggest thing is just always keep an eye out i mean literally my group you know hey i just did you hear about this over here yes do you see it over there we're sending links all the time with each other you know and and so i'd say you know making sure that you're you're attuned is key you know right on and now in this industry do customers often just come to you or did you have to develop interesting marketing styles and, oh, and, yeah. okay For, you know what seriously first marketing style was all right, guys, hold on. I'm, I'm building a website for us. You know, literally, that's what it was, right? You know, and so thankfully, starting off, I think I think people, when you work somewhere and you work in an industry, number one, if you're going in, in the same industry and you're saying, hey, I'm finally going to break off, those contacts and how you treated those contacts are key to helping you develop your first clients, those first few cells. If you're going from one to another, you know, totally different, like, hey, you know, this is my day gig, and now I'm going to go over here. I think then the shift is always going to be, okay, what is going to be what I call sort of like the stake? You know, what's going to be the stake that when people see my, my, my company or my entity, that they're going, oh, you know, that's something I want to look into. And so I, I, think it's, I think it sort of comes from where you're, where you're starting off your entrepreneurial uh, venture from. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I started oxidizers and it's great. It's going well. But at the same time, because I see so much maintenance, I was like, you know what? I don't see a package on the software end that can really address some of these issues. Because I have clients and they'll say, oh, yeah, we do everything. Yeah, we do everything. Yeah, we do everything. Dude. And, and then I'll go out there and, you know, my, my, my crews will send me pictures. They're like, this thermocouple hasn't been changed in three years and it's supposed to be done annually. You know, where you go, okay, you say you're doing it. And so I think always having an eye out looking for where you see the pockets and the holes, you know, you never want to, I never want to lose that to where I go, eh, I've had enough, 
you know, I always want to be thinking of what, you know, what the next step's going to be. I love that. So you, you have a personal philosophy for looking at gaps that you can fill to continue to provide value. And like you said, there's, mm-hmm. there was a gap where people weren't, there wasn't someone they could rely on for that servicing, that regular servicing, even though it needs to be done. And you were like, right. it's like the perfect intro to what I'm doing. Is that really how you guys, is that sort of where you came in or was that's that it. added later? That's, that's it. No, I was from day one. But from day one, I, 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 I saw where we were and I was able to see sort of where things were, you know, things like Industry 4.0. You know, a lot of people still don't get quite, what does that mean? It means basically all your little sensors eventually will be on every line, every truck, every piece of equipment. So you have all that data. And once you have that data, then you can do some real things with it where you start trending of, okay, that bearing life may say it's 300,000. Uh, hours, but it's actually more like 260 in this particular application. But until you have a way to capture that data and you're thinking of a way to capture it, you just wonder why I broke down again. I broke down again. Well, let's start looking deeper. You know, so I, I, I very much believe in that philosophy of don't just take everything from the surface. Always be looking for, you know, and that's probably the engineering side in my brain. I'm always looking for what do I need to fix? You know, what what is here that's broken that and look at and say, okay, how would we do that? You know, I'm actually glad you brought that up because the next question that I was going to ask is like, what's on the horizon for you? What do you What do you have your sights set on next, either in the oxidation industry or further out? Right. Okay. Um, oxidizers, we, we have grown thankfully year over year. You know, I, I look and I go. Right now, what we're doing is. We started, we, we did our company purposely sort of backwards. Normally people in our field, they want to sell a big piece of kit. Hey, I sold a piece of kit for $5 million. Great. Now I'm, now I'm getting my business going. And oh yeah, there's service that, by the way, on that piece of kit. We did it backwards. We said, let's get number one, the service side. So that now I'm in the places where they make electric cars on there, places where they make battleships on there, places where they make big jets on there, places where they make your chips. Then you're there. So when, as you're servicing the equipment, eventually they go, all right, this equipment's now 20 years old. I need to get a replacement. Or, hey, you know what? I'm, we're adding a new line. You guys have done great service for us. Can you provide a new piece of kit? So I, th- that's one of the things definitely for us is just continued growth on the new equipment side because we have, thankfully, we've been very blessed to have a very good, good hold on the service side. And then the next thing is my, my other company, InCheck, which is the task verification slash industry 4.0, where it could be as simple as how many bathrooms are Here we go. You're going to be like, where's this coming from? How many bathrooms have you gone into a place, whether it's a restaurant, out somewhere, and you go, this place is gross. You know, it's like, who's taking care of this? And they'll have a little list on the, on the sheet that says, oh, yeah, Jerry <laughs> went in and he did this and that. And you see, and you go, somebody's not really recording that, getting pictures and saying something as simple as that versus a big piece of equipment that has thousands of pieces of, 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 of items that need to be serviced and bearings need to be greased and stuff like that. And so I see like what we're doing with Inject, you know, for example, it's gonna, it's number one, a wonderful compliment for what I do at Oxidizers. But we're seeing, I mean, things like facility management where they're going, okay, wait a minute. You know, Harry's told every day to go do that, but is Harry really doing what he's supposed to do? And so I, I see those as growth areas, you know, that uh, 
I think we've not even scratched the surface on. Not even scratched the surface. This is all big, man. Um, uh, for me, I think the most relevant question uh, now is now that whoever's been listening has gotten a chance to understand not only the way you see business, sort of the way you built it, but also what you have on the horizon is where do people connect with you preferably? What do you want them yeah. to know as a call to action as we start closing no, this out? No worries. Uh, I'd say it's going to be a couple things. If you work in a facility, whether it's a manufacturing facility, warehouse facility, and you see inefficiencies, you see problems where, I mean, here's another thing. Hey, I'm working in this particular location. What am I breathing in? How's the air quality of where I'm working? That's part of the future where things are going to be going. It's not going to be just the big equipment on the process line, but it's going to be, I'm an employee. How do I know that I'm working in a safe environment? And that's where you can contact me on, on at Keith at oxidizers.net. Our, our, our website is oxidizers.net, nice and simple. And if you're in a facility where you see that, okay, who's looking out for us as far as the employees, as far as things like the health of what's going on and where are we with our air quality? Where are we with what needs to be done and not being done? Incheck.com. Those two, I, I'm, we're running and racing right now, and it's been wonderful. You know, in fact, uh, it's all, it's always a fight to keep up, which I never wanted. You know, I, my wife laughs at me. She's like, you ever going to sleep? I'm like, one day. I don't know when, but one day. <laughs> I'm, I'm all about it, man. And then uh, I guess if we're going to close things out, maybe just a fun question. If you could have chosen any other industry to have gone into based on everything that you've learned and that you've decided, uh, you know, you were going to do here with the with the industry, uh, where would you potentially have gone? And maybe you're glad that you didn't go or you're still thinking about even to this very day. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's going to be you're going to be like, what? OK, so when I was working at a couple businesses back, you know, my before I started my own, um, I reached a good level. I'm like, I'm doing good, get great bonuses. We built this division, things are good. And of all things, I've always loved like my son, you know, when he was younger, I'd always tell him stories, things like that. And at one point I was like, I think I want to be a writer. I think I want to do like animation and film and stuff like that. So I was took some courses, stuff like that, which I thought was really interesting, a lot of fun. But I go, man, I know how hard that industry is. <laughs> and, I, and I go, you know, my, my sister's in communication. She's had a wonderful career. But I know many people who have struggled. I'm like, nope. I was made to fix equipment and <laughs> put technology out because that other stuff, I know me, I'd have been like, okay, I kind of suck at this more than I thought I did. <laughs> and I wouldn't be able to make a living. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, I love I love, I love, love stories. You know, I love the, I mean, I, I look at every relationship with my customer as a story. You know, I come in, we come in. We, I mean, I have seen despair in meetings and to see a customer go through the, you know, the path of the story with a relationship with us and at the end have hope and see that they can move forward and their equipment can run. I look and I go, you know, those millions of little stories like that, that that's what, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, uh, that's probably what I would have done and failed miserably at. Man, you know, I, I was going to say, talking to you on this podcast, has been relatively uh, uh, painless and and really, and I, not that I expected it to be anything other than, but it, it's really interesting to see the, your ability to communicate. I'm not surprised that you were interested in storytelling and things of that nature. Uh, and who Thanks. knows, man, uh, maybe there's a book waiting in you when you're ready to share. Maybe one day when you know? I slow down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, you can have our cake and eat it too, man, especially yeah, in business. Exactly. That's that's why we go into exactly. business, right? Now, that's uh, right. That's right. 
Keith, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, man. Uh, I I feel like I've learned a lot about just the industry as a whole of where you're going and sort of a better understanding of what it looks like as as a groundwork. So again, before we close out, is there anything else you'd like the listener to know before we leave? Um, I'd say uh, I I, I always tell this to people, be kind. Simple. You know, I think that's what we need in this world. And if you're a kind business owner, your people know it. Your customers know it. Everyone that's around you knows it. And so uh, that's uh, that. That would be my thing. You know, you can the money will be made if you can make five dollars. Is my thing. If you can make five dollars, you can make fifty dollars. If you can make fifty dollars, you have the same skills to make five hundred. Same skill for five thousand. Same for five hundred thousand. Same for five million and on. It's about how you stay as a person during those transitions. And that is super believable based on all the things that you shared of how you even got started in business, your strategy for getting into the market to begin with. It's been through reputation and reputation alone. And man, I have a lot of respect for that. Keith, I can't thank you enough for stopping by. The Grit Daily thanks you. And I hope this isn't the last time we get to chat. (laughs) Same here, man. This is awesome. Thanks again for listening to Grit Daily Startup Show. I'm your host, Philip Lanos. And I got to tell you, I'm very grateful to be able to do this and I'm grateful that you sat through and listened to this conversation. I hope it brought you the insights you needed or the inspiration you needed to get up and get going. Big shout out to Jordan French, founder of Grid Daily. Can't wait to do this again. Be sure to subscribe. And for whatever you do, please leave us a review. That's how this show grows and we can continue to bring you conversations just like this. Until next time.